0: Things have changed. I see a little bit since I've been here last and probably continuing to change. And uh, But we just trust the Lord, and I know you are, and all that He's doing, He's speaking to you. This is an awesome day. Um, I told him before church, he said, told me how we were going to do the service, and I said, well, that would be no big deal. I can walk up there. We'll go right after the dedication. And then I should didn't think about the fact I'd be crying and emotional and everything like that. So uh, I'm trying to kind of gather myself here for just a moment. But these are such big and important moments for generations and it it is so important the generations and that we continue to see God move in the next generation and the next generation and I'm getting a little bit older and it's really easy and I've heard others talk about it and it's really easy as in my age I just turned 51 a few weeks ago for all of you that didn't get me a gift it's okay I wasn't hurt it's no big deal um but uh but when you get a little bit older, as, as we begin to pursue God and seek God, it's very easy to get so comfortable and so determined to continue to find God for myself. And if we're not careful, we forget that we have another generation that has to know this Jesus that we know. The one that we serve, most of us in this. And let me just see real quick, just a show of hands. No condemnation if this is not you. But if you're in this and you could say, I've served the Lord most of my life. Lift your hand real quick. As a whole lot of you in this room, I've known the Lord. I've served the Lord. If you haven't, it's okay. But when you've known the Lord a long time and you've served him, it's so easy. It is so easy to get locked into certain things in certain ways. And we forget if we're not careful, the God that saved us, we forget to pass that right down. And then we wonder why a generation doesn't know what to do. We've taught them a lot of things, how to do a lot of things. And if we're not careful, we don't give them the one thing that matters. I say this to our church all the time. I'm coming because it become more true in me more than ever, that no matter what we do, there's so many ways. Let me just help you real quick. There's so many ways to pursue God. Let me say it this way. This makes more sense. There's so many ways to have church and to run a church and pursue God. Lots of ways to do it. Almost all of them are good and some of them are not. But that's not the, there's lots of ways and methods we can do. But the one thing that I know, I can't tell you what the future will hold. I can't tell you uh, what will happen. I can't tell you all what will go on in my grandchildren and Zion and, and Michael and my children, Kelsey and Sydney. What I do know, whatever comes down the world, whatever happens in our culture, whatever happens in our nation, I know we need Jesus, the real, the living Savior that died and rose again. And if you know Jesus and you've got Jesus, there's not anything in this world that you cannot get through. There's nothing that a generation can't stand. If anything should have taught us in the last few years, we really can't predict what's going to happen in this world. And we can't predict it. And I know when we look at it, it's scary and it's hard to understand. And we can worry, we can try to plan for this and we can try to plan for that. But here's what I know, that you need Jesus and a generation that needs the living Savior more than it needs anything else. Because Jesus it really is the only thing. That's not really a preaching, but that's what I always preach actually is about Jesus. But I want to give you some hope this morning. We need some hope, you know. You sung about that this morning. Now I know God's been speaking to your church and doing a lot of things. And I don't really have a word for your future. God's already speaking to you in those things. But a couple weeks ago, we were making plans to be here. And I do feel like the Lord gave me what to preach. I don't think I've ever preached what I'm going to preach to you today, or at least the way I'm going to anyway. You know, I have, um, I have a lot of things in this world that I enjoy. You probably do too. I, I love my family as you can, we're, we're just, I feel so overwhelmingly blessed by this crew. And I, that's the Fredericks included. I remember when Josh and Kelsey got married here. And I remember really just that strong sense that our family had doubled actually. What a blessing. But amazing family with the Fredericks and I'm going to need a bottle of water. Somebody forgot one here somewhere. And um, thank you. I love family. Family is very important to me and to us. Some of the things over the years, we've always prioritized uh, time with our kids and our family. We prioritize things we had and didn't have money we spent. So that we could spend time with our girls. We wanted them at home. All those sort of things. We love vacations. In just a few weeks, we're going to take them all down. We're going to go lay on the beach for a week. Those of you who know me, that's just right near heaven for me. My wife and I love to be on the beach. We love sunshine and sand. I can sit in it all day long. And that is not an exaggeration. I love it. We love being in the sun. We love sitting in the sand. And just, just relaxing and enjoying. Well, Teresa and I, were been blessed over the last couple of years excuse me see if I can keep from kicking that over Teresa and I've been blessed for the last couple of years we got to go to the Bahamas found a little island there and oh my gosh you and like is, I love Florida but this place I'm telling you man some of y'all might have seen a few posts and pictures that I've put up but it is an amazing place it is it is right near one of the most amazing places on the planet to me it's what I love maybe for you. You might be the opposite the heat. maybe you want to be out on the mountain somewhere with 12 feet of snow and a and a and a hot fire brewing and some hot chocolate or some coffee and a good book and just snuggled up. I don't know why in the world you would want to do that, but you might. There's all these sort of things in life that we love. I also love to play golf. I love playing golf. It's a great release. I love go out. I play a lot by myself. I just love being out. I love the game. I just love it. And we just love, love being with our family. I love cooking. I've been learning how to smoke meat more, man. I've gotten to where I can, I'm pretty good with some ribs. I've learned how to do that. I love to eat. Anybody else love to eat? So many things in this world. And, and, you know, back to what we've done this morning, I love, I love my family. And I'm going to tell you, there is just nothing better. This is Josh and Kelsey, but I've got another amazing daughter, Sydney, who serves and loves God with all of her heart. And it's such a blessing to watch your children continue to serve God and to love God and to know God. It's one of the greatest blessings we'll ever have on this planet is to see your children serve the Lord. And I talk about all those things because what I want to tell you this morning is that all these amazing things that we love on this planet... All the things we love to do, all the places we love to go that this earth is full of, all the things that mean so much to us, I want to tell you they don't compare to the prize that is waiting for us. Let me read some scripture to you real quick. If you've got a Bible, they don't have any scripture back there, so I think keep up. John chapter 14. Jesus in chapter 13, Jesus has just had this. Amazing meal, this Last Supper, and washing his disciples' feet. He's begin to predict that he's about to leave. He predicted in chapter thirteen. You can go back and read it. That one of you is going to betray me. One of my closest. It's also going to be in that moment that they're going to ask the question, "Where is going?" They don't understand what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is going to explain that he's about to go to the cross. He's about to be persecuted. He's about to die. They don't understand it. Peter and his boldness. I love Peter. Peter and his boldness at the end of chapter 13 says, Jesus, I'll die for you if I have to. And he was sincere. I want you to understand that. Peter sincerely meant it, I believe, with all of his heart. In the moment he knew he meant he would absolutely go to the cross. In fact, he meant it so well, he took a sword. And when the moment of arrest came, he was willing to fight. Peter meant it with all of his heart. And we get to the next chapter, chapter 14, verse 1. Listen to these first few verses of scripture. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Verse four, oh, I'm sorry, verse five. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. And how can we know? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you've got right there in your Bible, if you'll turn right a couple books to the book of Acts, chapter one, give you just a second to get there. Verse nine. Jesus has just out. He is now we just skipped over a bunch of stuff, but very important stuff. Jesus goes to the cross. He is beaten. He is bruised stripes upon his back. His flesh opened up his crown of thorns upon his head, mocked, beaten, despised, betrayed, hung up on a cross, suspended between heaven and earth for your sin and my sin. He took on every sin of you and me and every human on the planet, took it upon the cross, said it is finished. And died and gave everything for you and I. Three days later, just like he predicted he would and said he would. He got up out of the grave, rose to newness alive and was alive forevermore. For some 40 days, he began to reveal himself. To his disciples, he goes around and he showed them, no, I'm really here. Look here, Thomas. Here's my hands. Look at my feet. Put your hand in my side. No, I died. You watched it. It really happened, but I'm really alive. These people, some 120 saw Jesus over some 40 days to witness that he was actually alive. It wasn't just an idea. It wasn't somebody pulling something off. The real Jesus, the living savior who had died on a cross, got up out of the grave and was was alive and out here to tell you he's alive forevermore. So he's appeared. He showed himself to many and he's revealed himself that I'm actually here. He he, he ate meals with him to say, I'm really here in the flesh. And then he begins to, Acts chapter one, he begins to say, I've got to go. Verse nine says, now when I had spoke, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up And a cloud received him out of their sight. Mention this, if you will. Real Jesus, not a ghost, not a spirit, not an imagination. Flesh, Jesus, the one they had walked with, the one they had watched suffer and die, the one that now was alive as they watched him. And while they looked steadfastly towards the heavens, he went up and behold, two stood by them in white apparel. Who also said to them, men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing into the heavens? And here's the hope for you this morning. Listen, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, he will soon come in like manner just as you've seen him go. I want to remind you of something this morning. I've such probably half of you in this room said you've known Jesus all your life. Maybe some haven't known him very long. It's possible there's some in this room that don't know him at all. And whether you know it to be true, whether you have ever believed it to be true. If you've known it, haven't known it. Let me tell you something and remind you today. Jesus Christ is going to return. Jesus is coming back. I grew up. I grew up in Pentecost with my parents. Many of y'all have heard a lot about my dad. New pastors, uh, your pastor's older brother. And I grew up in such a, uh, this is all we knew was church and ministry and the gospel. And there was a time, this is something that was regularly preached. Regularly preached from the pulpit. We were reminded so often that Jesus was going to come. In fact, to be very honest with you, whether it was, I think the heart and the motives were right, but many times even, I I can remember even in my, at least in my mother and my parents, that they so oftentimes just really didn't even live too much for too far down the road because they didn't believe it was going to be that long. They truly believed Jesus was coming back. I can remember them thinking as a child, just because that's all we heard, the idea that we would see the year 2000 was Unbelievable. That was space age. Look at us. 22 years later, I'm going to say a bunch of stuff about Jesus coming back and what what I don't want you to hear me say, please, I'm not. I don't want you to hear me say that we shouldn't be busy and working and planning. What I do want us to know is that we cannot lose sight that Jesus actually is going to return and there actually is an eternity beyond this life. There is an eternity that matters. In fact, there's an eternity and really it's the only thing that matters pastor was taught, thanking you and, and giving you encouraging you and thanking you for all the work and talking about the culture you want to be as a serving people. And I want you to understand the reason you do all of those things for a world that is lost is because there's an eternity that matters more than this life. Jesus is coming back to this earth. Yes, he died. Yes, he gave you life. He rose again so that you can have life. Yes, he wants to prosper you in this life. Yes, he wants to bless you in this life. Yes, he wants to give you joy. He wants to give you peace beyond understanding. Yes, he wants to heal your body. He suffered so that you could be whole. Every stripe upon his back so you could be healed. But let me tell you, everything he did was because he longs to spend eternity with you. I started out talking about the things that we like in this earth. And, oh, there's so many things we love. We used to have a, we lived in California and ministered out there for a number of years. And there was a, a little black mother that we knew. her we called her mother. Her name was Mama Mitchell. And she used to, she had all these great little sayings. But she used to say, baby, if you're going to go to hell, you might as well go first class. And what she was saying was. If you're not going to serve the Lord, you might as well go enjoy everything. This world has to offer. You might as well go enjoy, live it up. If you're not going to serve the Lord, you might as well go have everything. This world has to offer. Let me tell you this. If you don't know the Lord, I think that's true. You might as well work hard, build your dreams. Go where you want to go. Do what you want to do. Enjoy everything this life has to offer. You know why? Because this life is the best it's ever going to be for you. On the other side of that, though, if you know Jesus, if you put your faith in him, if you trust him, if you know that he's your savior, if you've repented of your sins and given everything you are to him, if you have, I've got some real good news. This is the worst it's ever going to be. This is the worst it's ever going to be. Your sorrows and your pains that you struggle with. They're never going to be no more. This its the worst it's ever going to be. Because it only gets better in eternity. Let me prove it to you. Read some more scripture to you. Revelations chapter 21. You know, you really ought to read the book of Revelation. Especially after today. But let me tell you how to read it. Don't go read, I'm not going to break it down, theological, prophetic words. There's lots of that in there. Don't misunderstand. But you ought to take some time in one setting and read the book of Revelations. With an eye on Jesus and heaven and the return and who he is. It'll change you. Promise you it will. That's just a little side note. Revelations chapter 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Let me tell you, all that we love, that beautiful island in the Bahamas that I love, it says this is all going to pass away, is what the scripture says. Heaven and earth is gone. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them. And their God and be their God. Verse four. And God, listen, listen to me. God will wipe away every tear from their eye. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, write these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he will be my son. Well, that's good news this morning. I'm worried a little bit. That while we have longed and tried to figure out a way, listen, I'm all about innovation. I'm all about reaching the another generation, whatever it takes, whatever, and I mean that, whatever it takes to reach a generation. But I often, I can also say, I can't remember too often in the last 15 or 20 years, in all the good works that young men and young preachers are doing, and the kingdom of God is doing, I don't hear a lot of talk about eternity. And about a remembrance that this world and all that we're building and all that we're doing is all so that we can fit, so that all could come to know Jesus. Mom used to say, if the Lord doesn't return soon, this is one of my mom's favorite saying. She died in 1999 and she was in really bad health for those 90s. So this would have been back in the 80s when she was in a little bit better health and the world. And I say that because in the eighties in what was crazy culture for them in the eighties and the world upside down and wars and rumors of wars and all the kind of issues that were going on. My mom used to make this statement. If the Lord doesn't come back soon, he's going to have to repent to Sodom and Gomorrah, but that's the worldview that they saw. The world is evil. The world is dark. Why is God not coming back? And we often, it's easy. And I'm going to give you a reason why he hasn't returned yet because God would that none would perish. God would that none would perish every day that you woke up, including this day. And the Lord graces you to take a breath in the morning and open your eyes and breathe, it is another day. God hasn't returned because he longed that all would come to know him. Why do we endure? Because God longs that all would come to know him. He wants to spend eternity with you. He wants to spend eternity with everyone. Even evil politicians. Dark, broken people. God longs to spend eternity with you. His mercy, every day that we face when all this chaos going on in our world, is another day of God's mercy. Because I'm going to tell you, if he comes back today, I'm sorry to tell you there's too many people that are not ready to see him face to face. And standing up and telling you what, telling God what a good person I am and how I loved and I was good and I served here and I served there and i done good things. I seem to remember Jesus said one time to the disciples, there would be many that would stand before me in that day and they would say, look at what we've done in your name. We've cast out demons. We've healed the sick. We've raised the dead. And he would say, depart from me. I never knew you. Notice something in that statement. Jesus did not deny they had done those things. But he said, you don't know me. Jesus longs for a bride. He's coming back for a people without spot or without wrinkle. He is a God that is holy. He is a God that is righteous. And he longs for you and me. He loves us more than you and I can begin to understand. I want to give you some hope. I want to give you some hope this morning, because everything we do, everything we do, all the work that we do as God leads us as churches and leaders and pastors and believers and serving in all that we do. It's really for one reason. Eternity waits at the door for every one of us. Eternity waits at the door. We used to say. When we were younger, there used to be a saying you would hear people say, well. People that preached about heaven and hell all the time said, well, they're just so heavenly minded. They're no earthly good. You ever heard that? Maybe you even believe that, you know, I understand the concept of that statement. And there was some truth to that in in a generation, because I think there was a time in some pockets and groups of people would just believe that God, Jesus, this sort of escape idea. We're just going to sit here in our little bubble and cocoon and limit get ourselves out of the world. We're just going to wait for Jesus to come back. And that's not what we're supposed to be doing. But I will tell you this, that statement to be so heavenly minded is no earthly good. I don't think that's actually a true statement because I think it's our heavenly mindedness. It's what ought to drive us to do everything that we do for the kingdom of God. We ought to recognize that there's actually a heaven to behold. There's actually a prize to behold. Paul said it like this. I think it's in the book of Philippians. In fact, I got it written down. Make sure I say it right. Philippians chapter three, not having already attained, or am I not? I am not perfect, but I press on that I lay hold of that which Christ laid hold of me. Thirteen, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended not, but one thing I do, forgetting that which is behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Listen to this verse: I press forward towards the prize of the upward call of God. I press forward towards what? The prize of God. The prize of God is not in this earth. There's many things we'll celebrate. There's many victories we'll have. There's many accomplishments we'll make. But the prize for the body of Christ is that we stand face to face with a loving king and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into joy today. That's why we serve. That's why we give our life to Jesus because there's an eternity that matters every day in this nation, every day. I don't have the statistics in front of me, but people die by the thousands every day in this nation. And I know it's been, that's been multiplied on and we've watched those numbers for the last two years through a pandemic and people that have lost. But I want you to think about this this morning. People leave this earth every day. And when you leave this earth, if your heart is not right, if you don't know God, eternity waits for everyone. Eternity waits for everyone. You have a city here where there are people outside these walls that don't know Jesus. And if the Lord would call them, their time would be up. We used to say it like that. Where would you do? Are you ready? If this is the day. If this is the day when the Lord would come, if this is the day. I heard of a friend the other day whose 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 girlfriend had been sick in health, went to sleep just just didn't wake up the next day. Unexpected, you don't know. There's no promises. A couple of years ago, you know, my 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 wife and my daughter went a terrible car wreck here in southern Illinois, 2019. God spared their life by the mercy of God. They're here today. Thank the Lord for that. But two young girls went off into eternity that day. Just like that, out for a drive. I don't know where they were going or what they were doing, but just like that, they were gone. We never know when it's going to be. We never believe like it could be tomorrow. Remembering that there's an eternity for us. Our heaven-mindedness. Our heaven-mindedness is what? Should drive us. In everything. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16. Says for the Lord himself. Descended from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel. And the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain. Shall be caught up together. With them in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always. Be with the Lord. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Go back again. Let me show you back Revelations chapter one. No, Revelation sorry, chapter 21. Heaven is a very different place than this life. Verse 4, Revelation chapter 21, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more crying. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? See, we've become so comfortable with death, brokenness, hurt. We've become so comfortable with the pains of this life. We've almost believed that that's just the way it's supposed to be. We forget that God said he's going to wipe away every tear. There'll be no more death. The scripture tells us that, that heaven, that we need no more sun. And we'll need no more stars because the very essence and the presence of God himself will illuminate this place. Here's a place that is so much different than the world you and I have come to get comfortable with and find our niche in and find our love in and the things that we're so comfortable in. There's a heaven. There's a better place. And I can remember. It's interesting. I can remember as a young man, because I'm so old now. I can remember as a younger man, with a young wife and young girls. I can remember thinking, God, I don't think I'm ready to go yet. I want to enjoy this thing. There's nothing. I don't guess that's. I guess that's normal. I did. I thought that way. I don't want to go to heaven yet. Most of you don't want to go either. You'll stop at every stop sign and red light out there that comes up. I promise. You ain't ready to go yet. I know what it is to have a bad doctor's report, not telling you you're going to die, but just start scaring you a little bit and wonder. And you start thinking about things all of a sudden. You're going to go, I'm not quite ready yet. There's things I want to do here. There's things I want to enjoy. There's things I love. And let me tell you, let me tell you something, though. And as hard as it is for us to wrap our minds around and I love my family, there's nothing more precious to me in this life. I love them, but as awesome as they are, my family loves me. Just ask my daughters. I'm amazing. I'm an awesome father. I'm an amazing husband. Yeah, I'm preaching now. I know. It's awesome as all the things are in this world. They don't compare to the presence Face to face with the one who loved me so unconditionally that I was lost in my sin. And listen to me, I've never lived out in the world as we would define it. I've not been addicted to drugs. I've not been addicted to alcohol. I've never was a partier and a runner and doing all those things. I didn't smoke and chew and run with those that do. I didn't do all that stuff. I was a good kid. I was always in church. I served the Lord. But even no matter how I lived, there come a point where you have to realize that the word tells us that every one of us are born in iniquity. And when you realize that I'm a sinner and it only by the power and the grace of Jesus who loved me so unconditionally, he took on my sin so that I could live. That he took on the brutality. You know, to this day, I've never watched that movie, the the one about the the passion. Is that what it's called? The Passion of the Cross? I never wanted to see it. That looked awful to me. Can't do real good with extremely gory things anyway. And everybody kept telling me how vivid it was. I don't want to see that. Not just from the movie standpoint, but I really didn't want to look at this person that I know to be real, to take on that. It's unimaginable. And I'm going to tell you, even what you watched on that film, that to the best that our earthly minds can interpret what happened, I'm telling you, you and I were not there. And we cannot imagine the brutality that he took on. And he did it because I was a sinner. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish. He perished for us. To see him face to face. We used to sing songs when I was a kid. Y'all remember some of these. Remember. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. Remember that? Soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, we're going to see the king. We would sing that. There were several verses. No more dying there. We're going to see the king. No more crying there. We're going to sing. Oh, we just bring the house down singing those songs. People would rejoice in excitement and anticipation that we're going to go see the king. What about maybe a little bit older? What another one? Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There I sing forever of amazing grace on the streets of glory. Let me lift my voice cares all past. I'm home at last ever to rejoice. Anybody remember that? What about this one? What a day that will be when my Jesus, I will see when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, what glorious day that will be. See, we used to sing those songs. He said, Pastors, do you... yeah, some of you are thinking right now, boy, well, I wish we could sing those again. It's nothing wrong with going back in, yeah, okay. It's not that we need to go back and sing types of songs, but I want to catch something about why we sung those. It's not so much in the beats and the rhythms and the sounds, but the songs were written and sung out of a desperate belief that there was something beyond this life. We may not need to go back and sing the songs in the same rhythms and melodies. We may not be, but it would do us good to remind our heart that this is not all there is. That filling this building is not all there is unless it's for the purpose to see that all would come to know Jesus. Because it's so easy to build here in the name of Jesus. But we really do it to satisfy ourselves that we're accomplishing something and doing something all the while forgetting the idea that there's an eternity waiting for everyone that lives in this city. Now I'm here to give you hope. Maybe just remind you just a little bit. Maybe tell you if you don't know that heaven is real and Jesus is coming again. Now we can talk a little bit about that, about when Jesus is coming. Maybe you're in this room and there are, there are several schools of thought, some very good teaching. I personally believe my own personal conviction. I won't argue with this on this. My own belief according to scripture and what I understand in the word is that Jesus is coming Before all the bad stuff happens in the book of Revelations. That's called a pre-tribulation rapture. Let me say it this way. I strongly believe it and I strongly pray that it's true. And you ought to pray, at least pray that it's true even if you don't believe it. Because I'm not a great scholar and I can read the Bible and it does not sound like those days are going to be a lot of fun. Okay? Okay. I believe though that Jesus is coming back for a bride. That's what we read in First Thessalonians, that he's coming on the clouds, just like he said. Oh, think about it for just a moment. One day you're gonna hear a trumpet sound, and the eastern sky is gonna open up. And we're gonna go you're caught up to meet him in the air. Now, we can talk pre-tribulation. There's some good teaching out there. Some that believe somewhere in the middle of that, Jesus is going to return. And there's some that believe that's called a mid-tribulation trib belief. And then there's another one that's called a post-tribulation that means when it's all said and done. And then there's some other teaching out there that said none of that's actually going to happen. It's all just going to be right here. In this, Regardless of what you believe and when he's coming, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, this is what I would encourage you to do. When the first time he shows up, you need to be ready to go. If it's in the middle of some bad things, then he'll give us grace to get through those things. But the first time I hear a trumpet sound and the heavens open up, I want to go and be where he is. You can study that, you can read that, you can figure it out. But here's the reality. I believe with all of my heart, I do know this. This world will not last. And whether you're here when the trumpet sounds. Or you leave this earth by the grave. There is an eternity that waits for every one of us. And while I give you hope. Of a better place than this. All the things that you love in this earth. Your family, your friends. Everything that you love in this earth. Does not compare to the glory that waits before us in heaven. Those that have gone before us. Oh, can you just imagine for a minute seeing your loved ones that we've lost? Seeing them for the first time who we celebrate together all the good things. I remember when mama passed, mama had had a really hard life, to be very honest, harder than most people knew. And her last few years of life were really difficult. And I know she had a lot of questions and lots of, I know that because she asked me questions. She didn't understand things that were going on. And I'll never forget after she passed, she went to sleep, didn't wake up in that hospital room. And I'll never forget. I had this sense in my spirit. Mom's got all the answers now. It all makes sense. Every bit of it makes sense now. Every bit of it makes sense. We don't understand why everything is in this earth. We may not understand why we go through some of the things we've had to go through. Why do we suffer like we do? Why can't we get free of this or free of that? Why are difficulties come? Why won't the Lord just fix this nation? Why won't we just fix that? Why won't we do this? I'm here to tell you that every answer will become when we see him face to face. What a day that will be. When my Jesus, I shall see when I look upon his face, you realize you're going to get to see Jesus. You're going to get to see Jesus where time is going to cease to exist. There's an eternity where there's no more crying. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. We're going to live in the very present with joy forevermore. See, you and I can't even begin to imagine our best mansion. Bob, he said in John, we read it in John, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my father's house or many mansions or many dwelling places. You and I can imagine the most beautiful home you can ever imagine on this planet. Your dream house, complete with servants, that never gets dirty and it always stays clean. Will pick up your clothes and make your bed. Everything that you can imagine, I can tell you it doesn't compare to the heaven that's waiting for you and me. But now I gotta tell you, if there's somebody's gonna play, why don't somebody come to the keyboard? And Now, I got to tell you, God would that none would perish. And I've told you about an eternity with Jesus and a trumpet that's going to sound and a savior that's going to return. Heck, just like he promised he would. See, we don't hear a lot of that anymore because it's really easy for us to just go, well, it's been so long. My grandparents talked about that generations. I'm glad pastor did that generations blessing great, great grandchildren. Great, great grandchildren. And I can oh, it be easy to go back and say, my parents have been gone. That's, they were preaching that 50 years ago and look where we are and it still hasn't happened. I'm here to tell you, I'm going to remind you today. I'm not telling you to quit working, to quit planning, to quit going forward, quit preaching the gospel, quit preaching the gospel. In fact, I'm going to tell you, you need to do it more because he could come today. He could return before this service is over, before you ever reach your home, before we ever eat your meal this afternoon. His word promised. He said, no man knows the time. No man knows the hour. But to be prepared, to be ready, have your lamps full, have your eyes fixed on him. I know there's bad stuff going on in the world. Read Matthew chapter 24. And he told his disciples and those that were following, when you see all these things happen, turn your face towards heaven because my return is coming. Everybody in the scripture, all the apostles, they wrote and read because they believe with all their heart, they would see the return. Pastor, how do you know we're going? I don't know. I may not see it. I hope I do. I hope I'm still walking on this planet when the trumpet sounds. I hope I's here. I hope I can see the heavens open. That was going to be an awesome event. But if I'm not, I want my kids and I want your kids and my grandchildren to live with an understanding that no matter what you do in this earth, this earth is not our home. That there's a greater future. There's a greater place. There's an eternity that waits for every man. But I got to be fair. I got to be honest because there is an eternity for every man. And that's an eternity that waits for everybody. And if you don't know Jesus, if you've not accepted him as your Lord and your Savior, if, as Paul said, if you're without belief in your heart that he is the Christ and confess with your mouth that he's Jesus, that he died for you, you're just going through the motions, living by the world's standard of goodness, I'm a good person. I don't talk mean to people. I don't put up ugly posts on Facebook. I don't even take a political side. I'm a good person. I stay out of the fray. I do good for people. I serve at the local communities. I generally love people. I really care about people. I really do, man, I'm I'm a good person. Are you telling me, pastor, that this doesn't count for anything? The Bible says that every one of us are born in iniquity. And every one of us, because of Adam's sin, we were all born sinners. No matter how good we are by our own standards. See, it's not our standard that matters. It's his word. It's his word that's true. It's his promise. It's everlasting. And he said, nobody comes to the father. We read it in the very first passage. I read you this morning. John chapter 14. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know. Where you're going, how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me explain that. You don't get into heaven on being a good moral person. Well, then what happens, Pastor? Well, there is another place. It's away from the presence of God. And I'm going to tell you, everybody, listen to me in this room, everyone watching on live stream. That place was not built for you. It was not meant for any of you. In fact, I believe we're enduring some very difficult times in the world because God's mercy wants you to find him. And he doesn't want you to be there. He doesn't want you to spend eternity in a place called hell. Yes, it's very real. Yeah, we don't. We used to call them hell fire and brimstone services. Preachers. See, I think there's a better hope. I want to tell you what what is made for you, what God created for you. But I wouldn't be right if I didn't tell you because Jesus warned as well that you've got to come to him. Nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus. There is a place where there is no more time. Where the pain and the torment will never end. I don't know if I don't know if this is true or not. I think there's probably some truth in scripture to this idea. But I think one of the greatest torments in hell is that you'll be able to see what you don't get. That You'll look ahead. Maybe friends and families. Part of hell is torment. You're separated forever. Say, why would God do that? Why would God? I'm here to tell you. You may not like it. It may not be a good answer to you, but he is not sending anyone. It will be 100% your choice. And let me tell you this, of this day right now, everyone listening to me, this preacher, you are accountable for this truth now. You'll not be able to stand before him and say, God, I didn't know because today you know you must give your life to Jesus if you are going to spend your eternity with him. it's so good heaven's not just a better version of this and really we didn't read the scripture if you go on into Revelation chapter 22 it describes heaven and the size of, of, of this new jerusalem with its gates that are one giant pearl 12 gates and streets of gold like translucent glass and mansions and all the splendor and glory where the light is is no needed because Christ is our light and there is no more night but we're, we're just in such an amazing place but can I tell you what makes heaven heaven is that Jesus is there oh to be close to the Savior to be near to the one see I see Jesus like so many stories in the gospel so many stories jesus proved himself as he sat down like a father let me do it this way as he sat down and he called children which is how he sees you and i and he says i just want every one of them to come i'll sit right here and I'll just wait for you to come. Don't forgive. Don't don't stop anybody from just coming to me. I want to be with my children. I wonder if you can hear him call. I just want to be with you. Yes, he wants to save you. Yes, he can set you free from addiction. Yes, he can heal your body of cancer. Yes, he can turn your life around from the darkest of place. He can heal your mind. He can heal your brokenness. And he'll do all those things. But can I tell you, everything he does is to save your soul. So that he can spend eternity with you. The book of John. In fact, what we read out. John depicts jesus in all of his works all that he did to show that he has the power by his word if you just ask all you have to do is believe in who he is and he said he washes you clean and you can be under the blood of the lamb you can have a new life today you can have a new moment where your destiny is secure, where your eternity is secure, where you can live eternity with your family that you've lost. I can't wait to see my parents, my father-in-law who's gone, my grandparents, the ones I knew and the ones I didn't, I've only heard about. I can't wait to see them. It's going to be so amazing. How cool is it going to be to talk to Moses and David I'm really excited to talk to Zacchaeus. Me and him have some things in common. Somebody I can relate to. But with all of it, all the things we strive so much for in this world, it's not going to matter. All the questions you have, God, why, why, why? Oh, in the light of Jesus, John said, when I saw him, I fell down at his feet as though I were dead because in the awe, in the presence of the almighty one, Jesus, our savior, the one who loves and holds us in his arms. Oh, it's not just an imagination. I'm here to tell you, church. I'm here to tell you, everyone, listen to me. Stand with me if you would. I'm here to tell you, he's very real. And you're really going to get to feel his arms around you. You're going to get to hear him say. If you know him, you're going to get to hear him say, well done. Good and faithful servant. Look at what I've prepared for you. Remember, I told you in my word. I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you can be also. That's our why. That's why we do all of this. That's why energy and money is put into technology. That's why money is put into and energy is put into musicians and singers and time and energy and staffing and, and all the work to upkeep a building and do all the things that we do to plan and build. And they're all important and we keep doing and we keep stretching and it's all for the purpose. There's an eternity that awaits for all men. And I want to know, I want to know, I want people to find Jesus I don't want you to spend eternity as bad as hell is. And the Bible describes it as a place of utter torment, of pain and fire and hell and smoke. Of perpetual torment and pain that never ends. As bad as all of that sounds. What makes hell hell is to be out of the very presence of God. To be away from him you close your eyes with me for a moment if you have your altar workers some altar workers that pray for people if you could kind of just come and get ready for just a moment i want you just to stop for a minute everyone in this room and i think you need to ask a very real question of every life of yourself and in this moment i have you close your eyes because i don't want you to looking around at anybody else. Because there's another reality about standing before God. Every one of us will. Every one of us will. You will stand as an individual. And as of this day, you'll give an account for the truth. And I know this has been preached in here. Don't misunderstand. I know it here. I'm telling everybody listening today that you know the truth today. You're going to stand before God. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I really ready to see him face to face? The one who is going to declare where I spend eternity. The old question we used to ask. If you died today, where would you spend eternity? We don't like to think about those things. I mean... Many of us in this room are young. We got lots of plans, lots of things we want to do. I don't want to think about eternity. I don't don't want to think about leaving this place. Well, I got news for you. This world will not last forever. The word promises us that. So ask yourself this question. Am I ready to see Jesus? Am I ready to spend eternity with him? Do I know? Do you know? Beyond a shadow of a doubt, without question, are you confident this morning that if you were to die today or if Jesus would return, you're ready to see him face to face?